Hello, everybody, and welcome to Star Wars Lads, episode 36. I'm Liam, and I'm joined by Sonic, and today we are going to be talking the Bad Batch, episode 12. And if you haven't been following our channel recently, we decided to do comic reviews on Wednesdays now, so we do them day and date that come out. So this week we had War of the Bounty Hunters number 2 and Dr. Afro number 12. We reviewed those on Wednesday. If you haven't seen those, go check it out on our channel. It's probably the... If you're watching this, it's the last video we posted, so go check it out there. And then, so if you're if you're looking for those, comics will always now be on Wednesdays. So this show will mostly be focused on Bad Batch right now, obviously, as we said in the past. It's kind of going to be topical, a summary of everything we do in the week. But uh, while Bad Batch is coming out, this Bad Batch will be the main focus of this show until we have something else to talk about. So getting into the Bad Batch, we have episode 12, Rescue on Ryloth. And this was another really, really strong episode, I think. If we're going to do offshoots of kind of like the main story with, or at least seemingly main story of trying to get Omega to Kamino, and this is exactly what I want them to do. This is really strong stuff. And we've got the, like, if you watched last week, we've got the origin of Hera kind of and how she's, and her family are initially transitioned into becoming parts of the rebellion or initially early rebel groups. And this picks up right where it left off. And it's really our first two episode arc we've gotten in the Bad Batch thus far. And so episode 12, I, I really enjoyed this. And it was a solid ending to this arc. I think Hauser, as we see in this picture, is a really strong character. We'll, have, we'll talk about him more later. But I, I enjoyed the Bad Batch's chemistry with Hera, I think that was really fun, especially Omega and Hera. They had a good dynamic chopper too. getting to, you know, they all, they all have their own facets of the mission. It was cool seeing, especially um, Hunter be a little bit more like open with Omega doing like participating in the mission. And he's, he's moving away from like, you know, you stay on the ship and we're going to go do this. And, and Omega has to improvise in like classic Star Wars sense. Her and Hera have to improvise and and pull this mission off but i thought this was both a really fun episode and a really solid episode for star wars storytelling and, and propelling the star wars universe closer to rebels as we get further further into bad batch and and i'm still pushing for the like rebel rebellion spin-off type thing that, because it is it is seeming like the formula with bad batch is let's introduce these characters and then they'll kind of disappear and then we'll keep going with the bad batch but hopefully we see them again. I don't know. What are your thoughts on, on episode 12? Right. Um, a very strong episode. I think the atmosphere, the music, um, just the character dynamics in play were really great. Um, yeah. I mean, I have a lot of thoughts on Hauser, but I'm going to save them for later. But I think he's quickly flying up favorite clones i mean i don't know if he'd been as much of a favorite if we were still in the clone wars and when everyone was like yeah i love a clone but like bad batch has made me like look at a clone guy and be like yeah whatever <laughs> just another buckethead, right um but but i don't know i really enjoyed his character and what he brought to the tension between the people of ryloth and bad batch and empire you know just yeah, I mean, it, it, I liked how well he was used, and I like that, you know, there's more potential for his story now than just uh, one and done 
it seems. But I think Kara was used really well. I think she's she's still young, all right. She's not like the most courageous yet, but she kind of just need a little bit of an inspiration, a little push. Um, I mean, it, it's very understandable, or right? a young girl seeing her family and father, you know, you know, and mother just go into jail, unknown what's going to actually happen to them, unknown what's going to happen to her people on her planet, right? All because, you know, she was helping out her father's closest ally and friend, right? And what she was doing is like, let me pilot the ship, and I can't even land it. I I just can pilot, it, right? She she didn't expect to be caught up in this, so. Um, I think the reality of the situation that the Bad Batch presents is that, you know, no matter how well you act and how well you, you know, respond to being underneath the Empire's treatment, if it comes down to it, you're going to be swept up in the conflict, no matter how old, how young, race, gender, whatever it may be. And I mean, it's not like Hera is a completely innocent character. She has been doing some spying, but, you know, it comes off more of like, you know, as part of her fun excursions where she can look up at the sky and dream of flying. And, oh, yeah, let me send in a report to Gobi. And now it's like, wow, this is real. This is what my life is going to be like moving forward. Um, and, you know, it, I don't think this is going to directly jump her into conflict. I don't think now that she reunited with Cham and Eleni um, that she's going to you know, immediately be like, let me do what I can to free Rylock. She's she's still a kid, but I think I think she's proven to herself and to those around her that like, you know, she's she's got what it takes to really be something special. And I really liked how even what without like that sense of like understanding of doing everything on correctly and whatnot, she still has those hair qualities of rebels where she can just maneuver on the go and you know, learn from the best and apply them as it comes. Um, and I, I mean, I really just appreciate her dynamic with Omega. I think for so long, we've seen Omega kind of just be like the Grogu of this show. Yeah, like a Grogu talks, a Grogu who walks around, a Grogu who has more intimate connections with more than just one person. But at the same time, you know, she's not just a kid. She is something more valuable. She is omega right she is the unaltered clone of Django, and she has so many things that she relates to with all these people in the bad batch um and i understand hunter the way he reacted upon like you know hearing that she's unaltered and all that but i think the longer and longer that these you know players are all together i think they realize like you know what she's just as worthy as us she we're not like we're not soldiers anymore we're mercenaries we're gonna do what it takes to protect her but you know let's let's at least like let her you know do what she can uh, it was great seeing how she was supportive of, of Hera but also was like critical of Hunter I think she's always like especially in that first episode right when she's finally with them off of Camino like when Hunter is tracking the strange creature that's stealing their battery or whatever for the ship like he sniffs it because you know that's his ability he can sense electrical pulses or whatever and you know track animals very well she doesn't ideally have those same things now that we know this is unaltered but she literally imitated his moves his actions 
so it's, it's great to see that she's like moved past the idolation idolation like period that she was in of hunter to now that she's like okay if i am really part of this squad let me do what it takes let me understand who you are as a character and let me work with what i got and make this better for everyone involved for hera for us for the people ryla and to stick it to the empire so I, I really liked her dynamic with Hera, what she gave to Hera, what Hera took from that. Um, I just like seeing the Bad Batch work really well together. I like Tech's um, humor in this episode. Like just as the way he reacted to just Omega's and Hera's very Rebels-like plan of just blowing shit up and <laughs> hoping for the best. But yeah, no, it was a it was a very fun episode, and I I'm excited for how because of how it ended and because of what it means for Crosshair. And I think Crosshair is, Crosshair is coming back at it, these guys. Yeah, the, the dynamic between Omega and the Bad Batch seems to be a lot more well-defined than before. And I really appreciated about that about this episode. Where, And Omega has the line where Hera, Hera talks to Omega about them. She's like, why won't they help us? And, and, she, and Omega says, they're my brothers. And I, you know... With Omega, with the age difference, this whole show, I've kind of been more on the thought process of like a father daughter relationship, but it really isn't. They're, they're they're defining this as a you know older brother younger sister relationship. This is more like she's on their level. You know, she might not be as old as them, but she's she's willing to talk to them and willing to tell what she wants. You know, she's not following exactly what they say because even though Hunter is their their commander, their sergeant, but he is still their blood. They're, you know, they're related. They're the same people. So it's nice to see that dynamic more defined and be like, okay, this is what we are going to be, how we should be looking at these characters moving forward. It was, it's cool to see that so that we know when, you know, the most tragic things happen, obviously, whether it's Omega being separated or whether somebody actually dies in the bat we get to see how we should kind of be feeling about that from perspective of the characters and how they see each other and so i thought that was really a useful piece of information in this episode and it just it works now as like okay we've moved on from omega being more of a burden to this group and now she's actually part of this group and it's kind of like you can be a Robin to their that she's not dead weight. She's not getting captured all the time. She's a contributing member of this group. And I think I like that. And that's that is what's separating it for all those people, like you said, who say this is just another Grogu Dinjarin story. But not really. She's she's might not be like a Soka Anakin level of useful, but she's in the middle between Ahsoka and Grogu. And uh Right, and I mean, she is she is a kid, right? And she, we still maybe hold out some hope that she has maybe some force sensitivity or something. But assuming that she doesn't, right? She is still very capable. She still has had some sort of training. She's around the most elite soldiers that you know the clone army ever has created, um, and you know instead of deferring to them being like the eight or nine year old or whatever, however old she is, 
she's playing a much more active role. And I think Hunter has also noticed, like, ever since that she paid off their debt, like, yeah, she's not just, like, someone who has to be, like, coddled and, you know, put in bubble wrap. She's in many ways more capable than them combined. And it only served to help them all out by allowing her to grow in the way that, you know, fits within, you know, their lifestyle, but still allows her to spread herself a bit more than just, okay, do this, do this, do that. Like, I, I like the little hints that we've been getting building up to this. Like, Tech has been telling um, Omega every single detail about the ship to learn before she can start flying. And she mentions that to Hera last episode. So I was like, okay, you know, these guys are treating her remarkably well, considering that in the second episode, they're like, nope, we're going to leave you with Cut and his family because we don't know how to raise a family. And I think it's made very clear that Omega's like, I'm not trying to be raised. I'm just trying to be one of you. And being one of you means that, yeah, there is an age difference. There's ways we're going to treat each other that are not going to be the same as you treat another clone trooper in the Republic Army. But it's not like I'm your kid either. Like, I'm not. I'm only looking for guidance when I most especially need it. Otherwise, I'm I'm part of the team. I'm part of the squad. So I really like that. Um, I think I think that's a good time to move on to, you know, the bigger focus. This is uh, the rescue on Ryloth and you know Cham and the Sindulas and the whole you know uh, Ryloth Freedom Group are saved at the end of this episode because of all the you know, machinations of Omega and Hera. Chopper obviously played a role um, and the Bad Batch. But will we see them again? I don't know. What, what do you think? I don't think we'll see them again in this show. But like I keep saying, I this, I, this show really is setting up... It's setting up Rebels, but it's... I feel like it would be disappointing if it's as surface level as we've gotten in the show, right? Like one appearance of Kanan one appearance of Hera. Like if, if it's just throwing these characters in, that to me starts to feel more where a lot of fans would call it fan service. I think if you start to mold the Bad Batch into pieces of the Rebellion, kind of like I said in past episodes, if you start to mold them into pieces of like the Clone Rebellion, maybe an early, maybe the earliest Rebel group are the clones, right? If we have them as part of that and then you see these other characters who are all kind of inspired by them or you see the, these other characters who decide well you know look at the the heart of the imperial army revolted against them let's start revolting on our own planets i think that's where we seem to be setting up a lot of these elements and and like kanan kanan to me was always kind of a one-off thing i don't think we'll see him again ever but hera when we get to hera or Sagarera. Like these are important pieces of early different rebel groups that we kind of do need to see again. I would very much like to see how Hera grows up into what we see her in a new dawn and how she becomes, you know, a legitimate rebel. And I want to see how she also contributes to Cham's freedom fighter group and, and how, when we see them on in Lords of the Sith, which is only, I believe like four years after this. So He's back on Ryloth at some point relatively soon. 
they're doing damage to the Empire enough to where Vader and Palpatine notice when in a couple of years. So they regroup relatively quickly, and that could honestly cross over with the show at some point. I think this show is obviously going to go at least two seasons. I would guess probably three. I think we could have that, and then we could also show kind of another side of the Rebellion at some point, whether it's in an animated film or an animated or limited series animation if they want to do that i'd love to see this and come back and be like a main part of we're early rebel groups because ryloth is is notoriously one of the early first groups that constantly is rebelling and and even especially on their home planet because sog kind of goes off and does his thing on a lot of different places recruits a big army basically of 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 partisans and then he does his damage on Jetta and all that stuff. So I would really like to see the Sindulas come back, but maybe not. I, I I don't think they're coming back in this season anymore at all, but I would think they could have moments in the next few seasons as we get closer and closer to the Bad Batch joining the Rebellion or being the Rebellion, you know, kind of the first stage as we see. And we already got to see, and we'll talk about it a little bit later with the clones. A lot of them are conflicted about what the Empire is doing. And so I think we are really transitioning into that and, and going to see at least that story played out and, and hopefully Hera and, and Cham are a part of that a, a little bit. And Hera also says that she'll, we'll see each other again. And I feel like they're not going to say that it might not be in the Bad Batch, could be in something else, but I think uh, they won't say that unless we are going to see her again. Right. And I mean, I don't think they'd also say that line and be like, next time we see Omega and Hera together, it's in a comic or in a book. It's like, no, it feels very clear that it's like in some sort of strong moving visual format. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, obviously we had talked about this in the, in the past about the rumored replacement for uh, Cara Dune and Rangers of the New Republic could be Harrison Dula. Um, we also talked about Omega being in Book of Boba Fett. I mean, hypothetically, those two things could cross, but we also don't know if either of those things are true. So I think, yeah, the most likely option would be season two of the Bad Batch, Omega and Hera teaming back up for another, maybe a one-off episode where Hera's like, you know, we're trying to get back on Ryloth and we need your guys' help and so I, I think that's where I see it more, but hopefully, and it, and it was really nice to see Hera, I mean, Omega and Hera together, because it's nice to see Omega have somebody that's her age that she can actually right. kind of relate to a little bit more. And, mm-hmm. and they have, they're, they're both have been kind of undermined by their parents slash brothers who are much older and much more worldly and, and, and battle wise. And, and they, aren't aren't saying they can't do something they're just saying you know we're worried that you don't know how to do it and we can we know we can do it whether so whether it's her father or whether it's hunter and and the bad batch so it is nice to see them have kind of like this classic star wars kid team up of you know kids being able to figure something out and it might it doesn't go as planned but it it's a fun little adventure I, I really like that dynamic. I hope we get to see more people Omega's age kind of interact with her. And that's why I would be really interested in Boba Fett now, mainly just to see that interaction with like Omega, who's so genuinely kind and like 
has been sheltered but starting to see the world in like a new like a she sees the best in everything and then you got boba fett on the other side who's seeing the world in all the worst ways and they're the same they're very similar ages yeah. and they're um the same person like literally the same person even more so than the other clones so i would really like to see them just have a conversation i think that would be fun right and i mean at some point boba and his syndicate break up when you know when he was a boss and dengar and and i i mean it was rumored for like star wars 1313 when that was still in development as being the place where it's store and like his whole like wardroid that he has um kind of as like the babysitter of the group but clearly you know things break up so you know i i think we're if we do see Boba meet Omega, right. Omega is going to see the best in everyone and situations, but I think we're going to see Boba, you know, at the end of his, you know, kindness at this point, I think he's, I think he's going to start becoming Imperial era Boba very quickly. Uh, and I, I would like to see an arc for that to happen. Cause I don't want Boba just to flip the switch. I think my one real critique I have of, boba in canon is that there's young boba and he's still got a young you know a uh, young heart and uh code of honor then there's imperial boba and he's just a monster and ruthless and just there for the money and now we got the mandalorian boba who somehow reconnected with his past and his father's legacy and you know it seems really important to him to have a code and help and honor other people while still you know being a murderer you know he kills bib fortuna but like you can argue there's some justification there. So, I mean, whenever we see Boba, I'm, I think since we mentioned before, it looks like the Cad Bane duel has already happened with the whole metal plate on Cad Bane. I would like to think that, you know, we start seeing whatever vestiges of young Boba disappear and maybe him meeting Omega is like that last time we see the kindness of young Boba that's still left in there. But then after, I, 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 in my mind, I don't think Omega meeting Boba is going to be a wonderful thing. I think it'll be great for the fandom, but I think for these characters, I mean, it, it's a bit of a threat to Boba in some way, right? That I think Boba prides himself on being the son of Django. If someone else shares the same exact DNA and, you know, somehow maybe has even more abilities or something at this point in his life, that's only a threat. Everyone around him has backstabbed him and put him aside or demeaned him. And he's continued rising and rising. And this is the biggest threat to that young, pure Boa that's still left in him. So, I mean, maybe, maybe not, maybe they're, they're wonderful and they have a great time and they go their own ways, but I just, I just think for the story purposes, Boba's got to be a little bit more apprehensive. I just, I think it would be like a really interesting dual side of a coin conversation. Like, you know, you have like Batman or Joe and Joker talking or something like that. You know, it's right. gonna be that type of like completely opposite versions of the same exact person who see the world in different ways. And one is kind of too far gone. The other one's the idealist and who doesn't. You know, know but any better and sees the best in everybody and the other sees the worst in everybody as i think that would be so fascinating i would 
I would love to just see them like sitting in a room together talking. But I think that uh, we just saw some clips from another, really the second half of the show that's just as important, honestly, if not more important for the main story of the show than uh, the Champs and Dula, Harris and Dula plan with the Bad Batch plot. And that's what, what is going on with Hauser and the clones. And so we, let's talk about the inhibitor chips because this has been a main topic of debate over the last week with a lot of Star Wars fans out there. And, and like not just who Captain Hauser is, but specifically the inhibitor chips and why do their effects seem to be lessening in certain clones or at least with why are they not as aggressive as we have seen them be and is it simply the fact that we now have a face to put with like this changing of let's try to shift the clones into more of a good guy role again or is it because the inhibitor chips actually do wear off. And we saw crosshairs get enhanced. We were led to believe that was because his his augmentations had kind of rejected the effects of the inhibitor chip like the other members of the Bad Batch had. So we were led to believe when they enhanced it that that was specifically why. But could they have to do it to all the clones? Are they all starting to fade? Is We don't know, really know exactly how long it's been since the first episode of the Bad Batch. I would guess around like five, six months as time moves. We're already on episode 12, so it moves pretty fast in Star Wars usually. And so could this be, you know, we're getting close to a year post Revenge of the Sith and these characters are, or these clones are starting to just fall off of what they were supposed to do. Could the Kaminoans be causing something to happen? Are they moving in the next step of their plan. I think we're going to talk about Hauser after specifically, but I think the inhibitor chips, and we did have somebody comment on our video last week and say that they thought the inhibitor chips were wearing off. And I, I think that's, it seems to be the case that they are, are leaning more towards an aggressive behavior. But if they, if a non-Jedi person can kind of like, get to them they're right. able to think a little bit more rationally unless their inhibitor chip is greatly increased like crosshairs was i don't know what are your thoughts on why we're seeing clones drop their guns and and you know fight back against something they actually believe in that's it, it's a tough question because we've had depictions of this already in canon with the canon comic book series um but this is the real first like whoa like that's that's what's happening here um but we've also had the canon comic kind of be retcon in the first episode of the bad batch and i i'm it's still in my head canon that okay yeah sure you can kind of mess up the start of the series but everything else for the most part happens and whatever isn't accurate you can kind of you know attribute it to Kanan becoming you know a smuggler a rogue um and a drunkard for many years you know to deal with his trauma and you know sudden 
rejection of the force and the Jedi and his family in order to survive. Um, obviously that's not really how they've been explained. It's just still Star Wars. We don't really talk about people being drunk or on drugs, you know, we'll quite frequently say, ah, he's smuggling spice and oh, let me tell you about this Corellian ale. Like, you know, these are still things that happen in this universe. So when I look at these clones, you know, when like a third of them listen to like a pretty brief speech from Hauser's end and, you know, they joined in with him, right? I was, I was shocked. I mean, correct, correct me if I'm wrong. They don't all drop their shield, right? It's only a few of them. Yeah. It's like um, probably about 30% or 40% of them. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like the chips are like stopping. I think, I mean, the whole angle of the clone army when it was the Republic was that like, look, look, they're intelligent, free-willed people who have some of the best training in the world. They're obedient, but they're flexible. They can do what's needed to help out the Republic in any way possible. And that's why we'll win the war versus the CIS with their droid armies and all the machinations that they pull, you know, yeah, they might have more, but we have better. That was always the argument about the clones. Obviously, we know that, you know, the brain ships are devastatingly powerful. We've seen the effect of them activating early and, you know, messing up with Tup and seeing how that drove, you know, Fives mad as he tried to solve the situation and then is literally confronted by the man behind much of this, you know, years worth of development and then you know he, he dies because he basically gets the script to revenge of the Sith <laughs> and um, you know nothing's really thought about until obviously Order 66 you know until things go crazy there is like some Star Wars Adventures comic of like um, the nurse kicks the clone nurse the one who was in the Bad Batch series he used to have tattoos on his head but he grew out his hair that he's, you know, frozen, well, he's captured and then frozen in carbonite by Count Dooku and then wakes up in the sequel trilogy. But outside of that, you know, there really isn't anything else about the brain chips that, you know, anyone knows about or has. So for it to start deactivating, I think it just suggests that maybe what they sold the Republic, like the, the big lie, was also partly the truth. It could be something to do with the will of the force. It could be just the fact that honestly, they're biological people and it's a chip that is a biological chip and it can influence brain chemistry. But these are clones that are all slightly different who have prioritized their individuality. Many of them under, you know, the 501st, you know, I, I, I mean, I would think that the five of first and those clones would be actually the ones who would be able to resist most of these brain chemistry changes that these brain chips cause. I, I don't know, but regardless of what's happening, you know, whether it be like a series one clone or just, you know, it's the new chips don't work as, better, as good as the old chips. I think this is just happening because not every clone is the exact same. They're 99% the same, but, it, it, I would think that Cameron Owens 
to create such bulk would have to do kind of like a Jurassic Park sort of thing where they have to combine just a little bit of DNA here and there and, you know, make clones on clones because they don't have the exact duplicate of Django as it deteriorates, right? I, I think there's just enough variety in a multitude of reasons that some of their brain chips work really well, some fade quickly and they just follow orders. And some's never worked. Like it looks like Hauser's, because Hauser seems like he was never really ever forced to shoot down a Jedi, but also I don't think he ever would. So I think whatever answer we'll have for brain ships, it'll have to be tied down to the fact that no one clone is really a perfect clone, right? It's like, yeah, we might be identical twins to you, to how it looks like, but or more honestly, like fraternal twins. Who knows? I, I mean, it, it's a complicated question and it, there's no real answer that I think we'll ever get. I just think that we have to understand that, yeah, these chips did their purpose 95% of the time, which is more than enough for control of the galaxy. But they failed because they didn't do their job 100% of the time. And plenty of Jedi who were good enough or capable enough or, or protected by their masters, or whatever, got off. It's why we'll have countless more Jedi show up, like in the old Legends timeline, where there was like a hundred Jedi who survived the purge. It's still gonna happen, right, in canon. But now with the whole brain chip angle and everything, it gives to reason that, like, okay, these clones can now realize the consequences of their actions instead of just simply being like, oh, we followed orders, right, and realizing how much of the free will that was emphasized is gone, realizing that even though we all were affected by this, we're all affected to a different degree, which only will make them even more frustrated because, you know, so some of them simply might have just killed their Jedi because they were told to do orders. And I think that'll cause a lot of conflict as clones just become more and more aware of just how messy this whole process turned out to be, right? Like, I think... There's a genuine trauma for all of them, but it might become even more magnified knowing that like, hey, you shot your Jedi because you were told to. I shot my Jedi because I had to, and I blacked out for six months, all right? I, I think whatever reason behind the inhibitor chips isn't really as important as the fallout of it and, you know, the variety in how it affects these clones and how it's going to affect how they react to other clones. So I think the real rebellion of the clones happens amongst themselves before the Bad Batch or Crosshair or anyone gets involved. I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I think for me, the inhibitor chips are now starting to feel a little bit like, like they're keeping it so vague as kind of a plot armor type way of being able to say, hey, we just kind of want it do the stories that are important and tell the stories that are important. And if it contradicts, we don't want to put anything out there that has leads to contradictions that people are upset about. Like we don't want to say, this is how the inhibitor chips work. And then say, well, there's this really interesting idea for a story here with the clone and, and stuff like that. And we don't have any logical way of them getting their chip removed. So we want to be able to tell that story, but we don't, want to contradict our former things. So they're going to, I think they're going to continue to keep it really vague. That being said, I still 
do really want to find out how this works because there's been so many varieties of ways that it's worked so far. Obviously, you have Order 66, but then you have somebody like Wrecker who activates seemingly two or three months later from just a head injury who immediately says to the other clones, you're in violation of Order 66, and he's a completely different person. So it's it's just strange that whether i think i think the thing that i'm most confused about is are the inhibitor chips and order 66 something that particularly creates this version of a clone that's dominates all other you know versions of that person in their head like is it is it pure mind control like like the winter soldier where they know what they're doing but they have to do it because that's what it looked like with Tup. And that's kind of what it looks like with Wrecker. But then there's other people that it just seems make them a little bit more aggressive. But we also haven't got to spend any time with other clones besides Rex and Wrecker, really, who have had inhibitor chips activated and get to see what they're doing outside of, you know, standing guard and fighting in battles, and which most of the time leads to them defending themselves. So it's not more so aggressive than it is like, them just shooting back at somebody who's shooting at them. But we have seen Wrecker or or Rex, you know, go after people who are close to them. And so, yeah, I, I would really appreciate some type of clarification on how it works. And it could just be, like we speculated last week, Hauser being an early model clone. Maybe this stuff, like, or just ages out. Um, obviously, if it has been six months or so, six months is a long time for a clone. They're they get a lot older really quickly and so yeah it could it could just age out or they they start to you know adapt to the the inhibitor chips effects you know your body you start to kind of what's what's the word i'm looking for you start to like kind of mutate into it comes becomes a part of you especially with clones who are enhanced yeah. or yeah. To, to accelerated growth something like that that could, I mean, that would be an explanation that if they said that, I'd be fine with it and go, okay, you know, well, different clones, maybe these are early clones, maybe these are later clones. We don't know, but they don't have to specifically say, you know, how old a clone is, but we can just kind of assume that if they said, well, maybe it has more, it affects later or younger clones more so than it affects older clones. I would just like some type of explanation because it does, it is seeming like it. Every time it happens, and, and I know this is not for everyone, and it's not for the general audience who's watching this and just enjoying the show, but for somebody like me who's trying to keep all this stuff straight in his head, it's just every single time I see a clone do something that's not what, what happened at the beginning of the show or not what happened in episode three or the end of the Clone Wars, it starts to feel like, okay, how does this work? And I really am like bothered. My, my Star Wars OCD is really bothered by not having like a genuine reason for why certain people act certain ways. And I like the individualism amongst clones and I really would like to continue to see that. And, and I would like to see them, their individualism that they gain from working with the Jedi or working with like, like Hauser working with Cham, who's a very idealistic person who we, we got to see the, the Jedi almost be like older brothers or father figures to these clones as they their personalities directly rub off onto the clones, even though the clones are all supposed to be stock people and, and mm -hmm. obedient and exactly the same. 
we get to see Anakin rub off on Rex or Obi-Wan rub off on Cody or even Cham rub off on Hauser. So we, I'd like to see that individualism, especially in those clones that were with people who were so idealistic and so well-defined in their morals, like a Cham start to supersede the inhibitor chip. But at the same time, I would also really like a clear, like, this is kind of how it works. Yeah. Because we've really not gotten any other, any explanation at all on how it works. It's just there. Yeah, it's confusing because like when you look at Tup's chip, right, it looks black. It looks like it got messed up, right? But if these brain chips are just to, you know, really purposefully just only be used for order 66 right and it would make sense that they are supposed to decompose at some point like it shoots whatever signals out there and it's done and it looks biological in nature so once a purpose of like it's not like a i don't know it's not like a whole other organism that's like connected to them and working it seems like it's just more like a all right here let's shoot a signal oh my god it took over your brain it was okay it's done its purpose is complete and I'm, I might push back a little bit on, like, the older clone thing. Because, I mean, we literally see Omega um, meet Rex and say, oh, you're a Series 1. But if Hauser is also a Series 1, then how come Hauser had, doesn't look like anything happened to him? And Rex couldn't, being as old he is, being under the most maverick of Jedi, was unable to, you know, fully stop, you know, the the full control of the brain ship. Um when he saw Ahsoka, right? Like, yeah, he, he fought it. I'll, I'll give him full credit there, but it still happened to one of the oldest clones out there. So I think whatever explanation we're going to get has to be directly from the Kaminoans. And I think we're going to go back to Kamina at some point um, as we get closer and closer to this finale. But because they're the Kaminoans, I don't expect a straight answer regardless <laughs> of what it comes out, right? So I think this is just... And I, I honestly, I, I'm fine with that. I think I've, I've since 2002, I've known the Cam Nolans as strange, ethereal, secretive beings in this galaxy who are technically extra galactical because they're in the Rishi maze outside of the Star Wars galaxy. So adding a little bit more nuance and mystery is what Bad Batch of the show does well. And having them, you know, reveal all their secrets. I don't know. I, I, I'm i more than happy with them to just say something. Be like, sure, buddy. That sounds right. Okay. We'll take your word for it. Knowing completely that, like, I don't believe a single word that they say. So, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see how it's handled. I think I understand your Star Wars OCD, like, mentality about it. Like, it, that's how I feel about a lot of things, especially, like, the Boba Fett thing that I mentioned. I'm like, make it make sense. This is three different characters to me right now. At the same time, not going to complain about what i'm watching right it's still really fun it's still really well done um and I'm, I'm fine with not knowing having answers for everything i think sometimes a great story doesn't have to have you know an answer for every detail the mystery alone keeps me engaged but i think since we've been talking so much about him let's let's consider what, what's going to happen to hauser what, what are your thoughts on that i think as so as we keep talking about this show keeps adding more and more characters and more and more plot lines that need to be resolved. I think Hauser seems to directly connect to 
not only Rampart and his desire to replace the clones with stormtroopers. And I think at this point, he kind of sees Crosshair as not a clone. He sees Crosshair as part of his stormtrooper unit or whatever he's trying to create. I think Hauser is probably our segue back into that main story. I could definitely see Hauser transported to Kamino and they can experiment on him and see like what happened and why are these clones not responding to the control. And I could see, I would like to see at least the fallout within the empire about this, because I would like to see what Rampart, how he talks to the Kaminoans. Maybe Tarkin comes back and is like, what's the deal with this? You know, you promised that these guys were fully under control. This could even reach Palpatine type level because this is like affecting this whole, really his entire reign of the empire. If these clones are not going, if this is going to happen where 20 to 30% of the clones on every planet that they're occupying starts going, no, this is wrong. We're not doing this. That's a real problem. And so I think Hauser might be a symbol for something more. And whether it's the Bad Batch or Rex or some random clone, well, the Empire thinks Rex is dead, but these clones, random clones leaving, if Hauser just left with the Bad Batch, I don't think anyone would have cared. But since he stayed and he made a big display in front of all these other clones, I think it's going to be something that it's like the conditioning of the military. You're going to have to try to say, how do we turn this guy into a true criminal instead of like a a martyr in front of these other clones like how how is this guy going to become something other than a, a symbol for free thought and like free will amongst this army where what is which is supposed to now be completely mindless drones for the most part and do exactly what we say so i think that's to me that's the most interesting part of where hauser's story is going to go and i think that's where it could intersect back with the bad batch because obviously we have that we have that like kind of longing look from Hunter to Hauser as he's about to walk out the door. I think there's more there. Hunter, I mean, he, he wanted to ask the question that I, we wanted him to ask, like, how and why are you like this? <laughs> and we didn't get it there. I think we're going to get it in the future. And I think this is kind of a smart way for them to circle back into Camino. And then now we have Crosshair coming after Omega or not Omega, but the Bad Batch. We still have the bounty hunters out there. If we have Hauser's story continue on Camino with Rampart and all that stuff, I would. that's where I would really like to see Hauser go. And even if he dies at the end of the season, I think he would. his purpose would be served really well as this first falling domino of like the clones starting to find their place and, and rediscover who they are amongst the rest of the, the Imperial kind of propaganda mind control machine right um i think he is going to come you know i think that is where he's being shipped off to i don't see him going to quarter trial i think he is probably told that he's probably going to be court-martialed and then they're actually diverting him to camino to have his case but in, in the end they are going to experiment on him but i think he's like you said, he is a dominant of sorts, but I think right now on Camino, there's like a very tenuous balance, right? There's the Kaminoans versus the Empire, and then the Kaminoans amongst themselves, but Nalase and the Prime Minister having very different objectives for their relationship with the Empire. So what the political like game that 
they're all playing right now, I I don't think House are just going to be like strapped to a bed and experimented on. I think since he's had a exemplary record, right? I can see him to some degree be able to walk around Camino to you know like at least be a presence on Camino. Um and I think that just seeing a clone be normal, be themselves, like they've always been, will not only scare the Empire, but it'll complicate the the goal that Nalase has, you know, developed for herself and the Prime Minister has developed for, you know, the future of the clone army. I mean, if a guy goes around and says the most obvious answers and you know, is able to interact possibly with other clones there at the heart of the operation. It's not that he has to have send a message to anyone or broadcast anything like Ezra does on Lothal in the end of season one of Rebels. This could honestly play out more as like, okay, the clones see him, right? And see what he goes through. They see him be experimented on. They see him just be normal and everything. And then as that happens, right, because they're in Camino, because they're still deployed all around the galaxy, right, that seed of doubt and everything has already been implanted at the source. And then wants to spread out to the Empire, he doesn't have to say a single word. He just has to be there and be able to just move around to some degree on his own on Camino. And I think... Just seeing a man, right? Especially helmet off, that'll that'll change a lot of clones' opinions. And I think this is a perfect opportunity for Hauser to become a boat of martyr, despite the Kaminoans and the Empire's wishes to making him seem like a traitor. Um, I think he'll just go down honorably, no matter how he's killed or executed. I think we'll see like the sort of execution that we see in um you know, that we almost see with fives in the Umbara arc. But I don't think we're actually going to see a guy escape. I think he'll be shot down and maybe some of the clones feel such immense guilt. We'll see clones who see that execution. We'll see this man broadcast around to these clones as like, okay, this is what happens if you work against us, right? This is what happens. It means to be a traitor to the Empire. But they'll only see a brother who was just trying to do his best voice the good word until he dies. Um, and with that, once they get deployed, that's going to just keep spreading more and more. And I think it's going to bring in the clones that we eventually do see in Rebels. I think we're going to see Wolf. I think we're going to see Gregor. You know, I think we'll see. I don't think we'll see a Kaminoan insurgency this season. I think we'll see something change on Kamino dynamic wise. But I think the seeds will definitely be spread throughout the galaxy of like, this isn't right. This isn't who we are. I think it's too hard for the Empire to just simply say, okay, we have to get everyone back in and fix their brain chips. That's logistically impossible, right? I think this is just something that they're not going to be able to do, you know, win at other than bringing scores and scores of human conscripts to just gun down and kill all these clones. And I mean, they're well-trained. It's not going to be easy. You're going to have to do the, literally the droid army strategy of volume versus skill. 
and it's not going to look good for them, but they are, that's not, I feel like that's the only way the empire will ever be able to like put down any sort of resistance. If it grows to the levels that we think it might grow. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know what else to really say there. I, I hope that Hauser is a character that somehow does survive and somehow joins Rex and it's part of those real clones, but I, I, the way the circumstances have played out, he would never do something like that. He's just too honorable. He's just going to die as a clone amongst his brothers, even if they hate him. I agree. I think he's going to die in the end of this season. And I think he's, he's, yeah, he's just like, look at this shot. He deserves to be like a symbol right now. And, and, and I think right now with, with what the empire has tried to do on every planet and we've seen, especially in the last three episodes, they're really trying to hammer the point home of this is what an imperial occupation looks like versus what the Republican Republic occupation looked like, or not really occupation, more like help looked like versus (laughs) dictatorship. I think with Hauser, you know, sending this message and, and more and more clones across the galaxy and they all, even though these clones are stuck here, the whispers of what Hazard did for some, he'll be like, a, like a dog. You'll have dogma types that are, Oh, well he betrayed the empire or you have other more idealistic clones. You're like, well, you know, what if he's, what he's saying is true. We're going to start seeing how one person can light that fire. Like Poe says, and, and start a real change. And so I would like to continue to see him survive until around the last episode get more and more about the politics of stormtroopers and how they are going to accelerate this process because it's another plot point of the show that we've pretty much kind of ignored since the third episode and so i think we need we're gonna get back to that and we we said this at the beginning of this whole show that it was going to start with the main plots as Clone Wars, or as Rebels especially did, you start with the main plot, you go into a lot of, like, filler, but, like, interesting filler that helps flesh out the characters and flesh out where we are in the universe, and then we get back to the actual main plot at the end, and I think the main plot of this show is going to start wrapping up with Stormtroopers, Kamino, what's happening there, and Omega. And so I think that's, yeah, that's a good transition point into our final topic with the Bad Batch, which, as always, are predictions for next week. And so next week is episode 13. We have four more episodes left. And we're really getting in the end game. This is the last quarter of the show. And so we're getting there. And I think we talked a lot about what Hauser is going to do. So I don't know if we necessarily need to speculate there. But we have, obviously, the final scene of this show, or this episode, was... Crosshair requesting permission from Rampart to hunt down the Bad Batch. And so we're going to have that start in the next episode. We also still have, we haven't seen Cad Bane or any other bounty hunters for three episodes. So we have that. We haven't seen the Kaminoans for three episodes. So we still have a lot of plot points there that are going to need to be expanded upon. I think the Bad Batch are still working for Sid technically. So we could see them go back there and then uh, Crosshair finally finds out where they're hiding and where they've been frequenting. Although I don't like, I feel like if he was 
this is the first time we've seen him actively try to hunt them down. So I think he'll find them relatively easily because they don't really keep a low profile. But I could see that happening for the next episode, and then they have kind of a fight there, and that really finishes off the Sid stuff and the mercenary life for them and, and transitions them more into the main plot again. I think I don't think we're going to get anything too significant next episode, but I do think next episode is going to push us towards the finale, which hopefully the finale kind of becomes a two or three episode arc where we continue to have like this, this uh, these last two episodes where we have endings that lead into the next episode directly, because I think those, those types of episodes keep people obviously more interested in the story. And so if we're going to set up for something big in this finale, and especially if it's a Boba Fett reveal or Hauser dying or any, any Omega getting captured and separated for the bad batch. And we have to wait for another year to see what happens there. I think we got to build to that and start focusing on not just the character moments within those plot points, but also which plot points are going to get us to ultimately where we're going. And so a quarter of the show left, we don't have much time to, to finish off some of this stuff. Some of this stuff will get saved for season two, but what are your thoughts on, what next episode is going to do and how we're going to get towards the finale of this season. I think the A plot is going to definitely be Crosshair and the Bad Batch. I think they're going to interact immediately. I don't, I don't think it's going to be that long of a hunt for Crosshair. Um, I mean, how that looks, I mean, I guess they could technically be found on the planet that they're with Sid on Mantel. Is it Ornmanto? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so yeah, I mean I could see it happening there. I, I I don't know if I can really see the Bad Bat simply abandoning their only lifestyle that provides for them money. <laughs> I think they still need to have some sort of money to do whatever they want for their equipment, for fuel and all that, so and they're not really part of a rebellion, you know, that, at this point. And they really kind of make it a point that they're not trying to help anyone do that. Even if they're not exactly bystanders either. Um, so I think we'll see a lot of... I mean, I, they, they still don't know anything about the brain chip stuff. They don't, there's no intention of saying, saving Crosshair yet. So... I, as much as I want to say that this A plot for the next episode is just going to be Crosser finds them and going to be big action and all that, I think next episode we'll still have some stuff with Hauser. I think we'll finally get back to how we were in the second episode of the season where we saw, you know, the Kaminoan perspective and then the Bad Batch perspective and then back to the Kaminoan perspective. And then I think the Kaminoan Imperial perspective that we got will now also have Hauser, you know initially as he settles into his court martial or whatever they're planning on doing with um with him i i mean i i really don't know what to think for the next episode i think the this whole arc has definitely been like a okay shoot there's like this whole another storyline and it's been wrapped up for the most part but that definitely threw us off our trajectory, right? Um, 
I guess to some degree it does relate to the Raxus episode, like how this is about occupations on different planets. But I don't think they're going to have another occupation episode. I think the Bad Bats themselves are wary of going to another occupied planet like that. And it's becoming harder and harder. Um, so, yeah, I, I think no matter what, this is just going to be a little bit less of a plot intensive and more action heavy episode. And whatever plot that does happen, I think will happen with the Kaminoans, Imperial, and now Hauser perspective. If it doesn't include that perspective right away, it has to do something with Nala, say, and uh, the bounty hunters. I think Fennec still has way too much mystery behind her compared to Cad Bane. I mean, I, I could be totally fine with Cad Bane not showing up immediately again. But I think Fennec has just too much almost incentive to show up because they're it's like she she seems a little bit more keyed into whatever is going on in Camino. Um and her whole speech to Omega on that abandoned Kaminoan facility just only makes me consider like what's gonna go on here. Like at some point we're gonna have to really understand more than just that she's a, an altered clone. We have to also understand what's coming next for the Kaminoans. Like you said, this timeline seems to be shifting pretty quickly. I'd say we're somewhere around six, I'd say six months, at least after Revenge of the Sith. And the Empire was so quick about installing chain codes and everything. Now they're going to have to, you know, finally get to the deadline of like, okay, Camino, what do you got to make it worthwhile for us? Right. And now that we've got this whole factor of like, hey, some of the clones are also, you know, turning against the empire and laying down their arms. What are you going to do? Do you have a fix to this? Do you have a new version of this? What, what's going on? So that's all really freaking important. But then there's also the whole thing with Nala say and the prime minister having different objectives for how they're going to deal with the empire. So Nala say with her own willingness to send Fennec to kill Tanwi and everything, like there has to be something freakier and crazier. I'm I, honestly, I'm I'm looking for the horror of the Clone Wars to finally come out. I, I want to see mutated, deranged, defective clones that are, you know, messed up but are also killers and can do whatever that the Empire wants. But they're like the Null Commandos of Legends, where they just don't want to. I, I can I, I can really see Nala say because she's unable to get Omega to do something so desperate and creating some sort of monster from her cloning process. And I would like to see that. But I think at some point or another, the Kaminoans fail themselves more than the Empire shuts them down. The Empire always takes the angle of like, look at what happened here. This is why we did this, right? Even if they themselves might have caused that angle to happen, even if they themselves created the situation. They're always looking for a public angle and a public angle is not quite there outside of like, okay, a few clones dropped their weapons on Rylot. Doesn't mean much. Oh, if they say, wow, we found that the Kaminoans are creating these monsters and mixing species um, to, you know, overrun the empire, even if it's not quite necessarily full contingency yet, I, I feel like something with the Kaminoan, you know, machinery has to change at the end of the season and i want to say that it starts in the next episode i think that would be a really interesting angle if they decided to say let's say 
the Empire finds out about what the uh, Kaminoans are doing, and they're like, they destroy Kamino. They just wipe it out. I would love to see the effects of that on the clones. Like that's their, oh, yeah. only, their only real home. I would love to see because we. I, I think I've kind of pictured, especially because uh, how much I love the original Battlefront Two. I'd love to see the fight beyond Camino uh, at the end of the show if the clones revolted. But at the same time, I think it would be really fascinating if Camino was just gone and like right, like all the yeah. buildings were gone, all the Kaminoans were killed, and they just basically we're like homeless now the clones they have no home and and they're asked to be loyal to the people that just destroyed every the only thing they're really connected to i think that would be really interesting i also yeah. think that we it would be really nice to continue at least the hauser storyline into maybe we don't even need to necessarily see him but at least the rampart going to the kaminoans and being like hey this clone just tried to, you know, or just convinced a bunch of other clones to lay down their arms and not attack people we told them to attack. And I want to see that continue because it would be a nice bridge from these last two episodes into those. It would start to make everything flow a little bit better into each other. I think it would also continue. I, I've said from episode one that I think I thought this season would end Crosshair's story. I don't think it's going to anymore. I think, right? I think right. I, and I think I, that's more from a personal standpoint too. Is of I want to see Crosshair deal with the stormtroopers. Like I want to see if they start to move into that phase at the end of this season, and we get to see what the Kaminoans are doing with Omega, but also how they're basically phased out the Kaminoans are phased out of all like Imperial military communications. And they're just like, Nope, we're doing our own thing. Sorry. And they start building the clone, uh, the stormtrooper army. We start to get that tension between the clones and the stormtroopers. I would really like to see crosshair be kind of like the last clone there and see how he deals with basically uh, he's always been a loner, but how he's just the remnant of this, this past group. And so I'm starting to think that, we're not going to get a crosshair redemption as much as more of like a tragic death for him. And I think, I think I would like to see him stay around for the next season because I think he is kind of the main villainous face of honestly, this whole show. And I don't see them killing him off in this season, but I do, I do think if we transitioned from this episode into, Hey, what's going on with Hauser? Why is he acting like this? That would also re-bring up possibly Lama Su's need for Omega and uh, subsequently more on Nala Se's plan because we still have no idea what she wants Omega for. We know what Lama Su wants Omega for. So I think that could segue that into episode 14 and then maybe 15 and 16 are basically a, a one hour or 45 minute movie split into two parts and we could get that true finale. So it would be nice if we start to reintroduce all the main players again to say, okay, this is how we're going to finish off the show or this season. And this is what it's going to look like for your last couple episodes. And I think for that, sure. Yeah. That yeah. The way that I would go with it. It'd be a great angle, but we're, I mean, are we going to forget about Rex? I mean, we'll, I don't think this guy was just uh, showing up in a 
a little poncho and being like, hey, what's up? Ah, and then just he's, he's gone. No way. I think I think Rex has to show up at some point. Maybe not next episode, but do we really think that this information about Hauser convincing other clones will just slip by? I think I think he's going to pick up on it. I think he'll... At some point, the Empire knows that Rex is alive, right? Do they know him in Rebels as being alive before Rebels? I feel like they do, right? I don't remember. I'm not sure. Because the... I don't remember exactly what happens in the episode, but um, who's the Imperial who defects eventually to the Rebels? Callus, Callus, right? Yeah, Callus talks to him, and the way he talks to him and Wolf and Gregor, it seems like, oh, wow, you guys, your services to the Empire have been noted or something like that. So I, I would think at some point the Empire will know about rex i don't think he'll be now i think it's way too early for them to know about him now but i think, I think he, sorry. He, I, was, I mean i maybe he, you know he starts playing a bit more of like a fulcrum role right you know he starts sending information to these clones on discrete channels like hey take out your chips like look here's some information look at fives look at all this and that right i mean the only way to really bring him into the story outside of like a Kaminoan rebellion, I'd say is like, okay, he's here to like some of the free will clones. He's going to try to recruit them right away or something. Um, and I don't know if that's, I think it's a little too early in the show, but this information about Hauser, I don't think he'll let that slide. I think he'll use it and angle it in a way that the greater majority of clones could hear it other than just being like hidden and silent and Camino. Like I, I know I mentioned seeds being spread out from clones in communos leaving and seeing what happened to uh Hauser and his eventual death, I guess I suppose, but that's still a little bit more controllable. Rex is the wild card because he's still dead, technically. So I would maybe like to see him play more of like an informant role, like some he's like he's like deep throat of star wars at this point right instead of watergate being broken out the people finding out more and more he's deep throw who's always known that, about this and now he can combine it with this information of hauser and give them the truth that we all have seen in season seven and season six of clone wars personally i i mean i would love those angles i just i don't think he's going to show back up in this season unless it's going to be to team up with the Bad Batch, let's say if he wants Hauser and they want Omega and they're both on Kamino, I could see them kind of joining forces, like kind of like a Mandalorian finale. Because yeah, I forgot about him honestly. With so many plots, there's so many, <laughs> there's so many things we got to wrap up. Right, just, and we don't, we have, we have there. no idea what they're gonna prioritize for like the big right. final arc of this show because it's like, okay, like of this season at least. Because we're like, okay, if we didn't have Ryloth we'd have a clear idea, but that just threw everything out of the window. Yeah. Cause this whole, our mid season point was bounty hunters, Omega and the Kaminoans Our beginning of the show were stormtroopers and Omega and the Kaminoans. So Omega and the Kaminoans are the common denominator, but I'm sure. And then the bounty hunters kind of go along with the Kaminoans. I don't think they're ever going to be a huge part of this show. I just think they are, part of this plot 
specifically and might segue into Boba Fett's reappearance. But yeah, Rex, Rex, I didn't think they would use him specifically this way. And I still think like the Syndulas, he's going to obviously show back up in the show, but I think he's starting to feel more like a wink and a nod type character, like cut, like the Syndulas, like Kanan. It's like, yeah, he's here and he's still around just so you guys know. And we might bring him back at some point, but he's not in this show. And I'm, yeah, I would be disappointed if he doesn't show back up for more than like the occasional, Hey, I need your guys' help for this random mission type thing, which I don't, I don't want them to use Rex specifically like that, but I am starting to get the feeling that that's where Rex is. Maybe, but we also do see him in his last moments with the bad badge contacting someone saying, I'll meet you at the next like turn of this planet, like planetary rotation or whatever. It could be Ahsoka, but the Ahsoka novel kind of implies that they go their own ways, right? That they're not together. And I would think the Ahsoka novel taking place a year or so after, yeah, maybe there's a little margin that they could fit in, but I, I don't know. I, I know, I, I, I see what you're saying, but it just doesn't feel like Rex to just wait it out, right? This guy, see, the way he talked about it with the Bad Batch, he seems like he wants to do something. Right. Whereas Hunter's like, no, we can't. So, yeah, maybe not this season, but you better not just be like, I'm a mercenary for a few years, like Bad Batch. That's not Rex. That will never be Rex. Um, but will he show up? I guess. I mean, you can just tell from how we're talking about it. We both want him to fit in somehow, but we're not sure how he'll fit in while still, you know, being worthy of his character. Right. Exactly. And that's. That's the thing with all these so many plot points that have been set up in this show. I think I still do think Rex is going to be big in the second half of this whole show. Like when as we continue to get closer to more and more clones defecting and and clones becoming the centerpiece of this story, I think he'll he has to become part of this show more as a like an actual character. But since season one seems to be wrapping up with more of a centralized focused on the omega character specifically and maybe the crosshair character as well and that bad batch dynamic before it becomes like the bad batch and all the other clones i think i think rex if he shows back up it's going to be like a like a bo katan team up at the end of mandalorian season two where you know they they either find him or he finds them and they're like we need to go save hauser or omega or whatever but i think that's probably gonna do it for episode 12 of the bad batch obviously as i said quarter of the show left we're almost done it's it's crazy how fast this has gone especially for a 16 episode show or only four left and so episode 13 will be next week as i said at the beginning of the show if you didn't see it or you're watching the segments we posted our comic reviews up on Wednesday. We reviewed War of the Bounty Hunters number two and Dr. Afro number 12. Check those out. We also are posting new videos every Monday. This week was a tier list where I ranked 150 Star Wars characters. And it was it was fun. You should check it out. It was a, a lot of characters, a lot of characters. So check those two videos out. Those were the new videos this week. We also have segments coming up tomorrow. If you would like to return to any of these conversations, and that's a little bit more of an easy way to do it. 
or if you can't watch the show, obviously, you know, the segments come out on Saturdays that let you watch the individual discussions that you specifically want to watch. But that's it for this week's episode of Star Wars Labs. Thank you so much for watching. If you have social media, follow us on Instagram at Star Wars Lads at at Star Wars Lads on TikTok and Star Wars Lads on Facebook. You can contact us Star Wars Lads Podcast at gmail.com with any comments, questions, concerns. You can list if you're not or if you're watching this on YouTube and you want to listen to audio podcast format of this show specifically, we have our new episodes of Star Wars Lads show up on podcast platforms every Friday. We are on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much any podcast platform you can find. If you're watching this on YouTube, please like, comment, and subscribe. Let us know what you thought of the Bad Batch, any of these uh, discussion topics that we've talked about. Comment and let us know what you think is going to happen in the last quarter of the Bad Batch. And also, please hit that like button so we get seen by more people and can talk Star Wars with more of you out there and subscribe to our channel so you know when new videos come out every week. Hit the notification bell so you can get that pop-up notification when a new star wars lads video comes out thank you all so much for watching this week's episode of star wars lads episode 36 we'll be back episode 37 next week talking about the bad batch episode 13 as well as having a new video up on monday and more comic reviews next wednesday so thank you so much for watching and we'll see you all next week